0: there it is all right we're here we're back it's another beautiful week especially if you live in san diego i'll tell you what but today's guest is going to be a lot of fun we're going to talk about communication and boundaries and how this all applies obviously too obvious right we're going to get into it it's going to be a lot of fun hang tight practicing polyamory real life perspectives from the imperfect people of polyamory The mission of the Practicing Polyamory podcast is to provide a platform for all of the real-life, flawed humans that practice polyamory so that we might all learn from one another and grow as a community. Enjoy the show. All right, here we go. Welcome, 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 everybody to the show. Before we jump in, I just want to quickly thank everyone again who subscribed on YouTube. I really appreciate every single one of you. Uh, where you can now, we can find it on YouTube.com slash Hooray! We're everywhere on social at PracticingPollier. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, wherever it is that you can think of us. Uh, that's probably where we are. PracticingPollier everywhere. And if you are listening right now on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever uh, whatever other podcast app, would really love if you could go subscribe and leave a review wherever it is that you download the pod. All right. And uh, secondly, I always want to remind everybody, if you are listening to this podcast, you are a welcome guest to be on this show. If you're actively polyamorous, polyam curious, or a professional serving the polyamorous community, I want to hear your story. If you're a, if you are disabled, BIPOC, pan, bi, demi, gay, straight, sex worker, kinkster, queer, lesbian, trans, NB, arrow, ace, whoo, whatever. We want to hear your story. The more stories we hear, the more the world learns about us, the more representation we have, and the better we can serve our community. All right. That is my spiel. Ladies and gentle thems, let's get on with the show. Our guest today is a master certified life coach who chose to be a coach because she believes it fills a necessary gap between self sufficiency and needing therapy she's constantly inspired by her clients courage and commitment understanding that sometimes just showing up at her office is an act of courage her work is her passion helping clients and seeing transformations is one of the most fulfilling parts of her life she's been an ally to the polyam and lgbtq community for years and provides a respectful affirming validating space to offer solution Solution-focused coaching that keeps maximizing your potential to grow. Now, all relationships exist on a foundation of communication and boundaries. Many relationships problems occur because or are amplified by poor communication and unclear boundaries. So whether you come as an individual, a couple, or as part of a polycule, you can work together to create strong, positive communication, set meaningful boundaries in any relationship. Joining us today from Life Coach Round Rock out of Round Rock, Texas. Welcome to the show, Angela Hey! Thank you very much. Thank you, Angela. Thanks for making time out of your day to hang out with me a bit. Really appreciate it. Um, tell me first of all, just a little bit about yourself, a little bit about uh, your history, getting to the point of where you are. What inspired you to choose this trajectory? Oh goodness.
1: Um, so I as you as you just so clearly outlined, um, I'm a master certified life coach and a licensed manager family therapist. Um and a lot of things landed me on this path. The simple story is that I spent a lot of time in therapy myself and it was very hopeful. And I realized that my experiences of life were uh, something that inspired me to want to help other people to find Mm. the peace and um, life happiness that Mm. I found along, along my own journey um, and wanting to be a part of that for other people, and I—if you ever talk to any life coaches and therapists—the really common thing that they will all say is, "We're people. We're the kind of person that people like to talk to, across gotcha. the board." So, like, it's just one of those base things. Like, if people are going to talk to you about
0: their stuff, anyways, what you really want is to know what to do about that. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Yes. I, I find the same thing when if people do want to talk to me about things, I feel like I'm not a, a great advice giver. So like, that would be my problem. If I, if, if I was ever going to do something like what you do, I would, I would want to learn like, what yeah, to do you'd want the it. training. What do you do with all that yeah. stuff that they just told you? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So how long is that process? And and what all did you have to go through to get to where you are now?
1: Well, it all sort of depends on what you're doing. Um, because my goal was to eventually have uh, a, uh, license, uh, counseling license. There's like a lot of hoops is how I like to call it. You have to mm-hmm. jump through. Um, so you need a bachelor's degree of some sort. I got mine in psychology. Um, and then you need Ooh. a master's degree. I got mine in marriage family therapy, but there are other options, um, for life coaching. That's a, it's a similar trajectory in terms of like, you're working with people and creating a life that they're happy with. You're just kind of working in a, in a different platform. So we're, with life coaching you're looking more at like life skills and hmm. um having a neutral i think the biggest thing life coaching does is provide somebody a, a a bouncing board uh that who's not invested in what choices you're making in your life our friends and our family love us and they uh have thoughts and opinions about what's best for us uh that may not match our own which sometimes <laughs> makes those difficult places to kind of take that energy um, and life coaching kind of steps into that space because we're not a part of your life. And so we don't really care what choices you ultimately make. Um, So that gives you a unique position to be able to give information or provide uh, uh, amplification on skill sets so that people can go into their life and and really thrive.
0: Got it. And, you know, talking about becoming a life coach uh, and you said that there's, there's a gap between self-sufficiency and therapy, and and you need a, a kind of a life coach to help fill that gap. My question is, what is the difference between a life coach and a therapist? Like, how do I That's a really
1: good question. That's a really good question that a lot of people ask. Um, and I think it's a really important question because they overlap a little bit. There is a fuzzy line between them. Um, in the same way, there's a fuzzy line between going to a a trusted friend and going to a life coach. There's a fuzzy line between those two. Mm -hmm. Um, The, the, what makes something definitively on one side versus the other is whether or not there are mental health components that are happening. So a person who has depression can also have communication challenges, right? So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if they're coming and their goal is to work on their depression, that's a mental health goal. Even if there are also communication challenges happening. Got it. If the goal is to work on their communication challenges, that's a life coaching goal. That's something you can work on in life coaching. If the depression is complicating that and you can't talk about the one without the other, that tips it all the way into therapy. If that sort of makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it so absolutely a, does. A
1: perfectly healthy person who is functioning in most domains in their life, who just has some challenges, might find life coaching to be a perfect fit in them kind of overcoming what those are. If there's mental health components, you need someone who has that additional training. And it's a lot. I mean, a master's degree requires you to do a lot of training, a lot of work. Um, and part of that is because the, a person who is struggling with some mental health concerns is more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And so a life coach may not have the skill set to um, to interact with that person without causing further damage. So like, you really do need that additional, additional training um, when you're tipping into mental health stuff. So that's the major line
0: that's the major line that's the that's the the big thing and I, I'm interested and, and I'm curious uh, especially because I actually just uh, got myself a life coach or some, yeah I'll, I'll call her a life coach uh, <laughs> just like last week and that same day that that I, I spoke with her and like signed up with her I made an appointment for uh, therapy I'm like I, I right now I just need somebody to talk to because I'm like going crazy inside my own yeah. head yeah. Um, and not sure which route is going to be the right one. Let me try both. And, yeah, and they should be different. Together. I do want to be clear. They should be different.
1: If you have a life coach who's doing therapy, they're practicing outside their scope of practice and should mm-hmm. not be doing that.
0: <laughs> got it. Got it. I mean, good to know. And I'm, I'm not saying that she will, or she won't. No, I have no idea hopefully yet.
1: You found someone who's but, very ethical and well-trained and she'll be doing what she's supposed to be doing, but yeah, they're supposed to be different. And and I've had conversations for both sides. Um, I've had therapists who did not have training in life coaching go and try to do that. And that's equally problematic. So like it's important mm. to have training and be practicing within your scope of practice. And to be clear that you're working with the client on the goals they have for the work, regardless of which one of those side of the line you're on.
0: Now that brings up a good question. Why? I mean, I, I guess I can see more clearly why a life coach trying to practice therapy or help with mental health issues to me that's a more definitive like oh yeah you should not be stepping into that realm mm-hmm. but on the other side a therapist trying to take a life coach type of you role you can why why would you say that that that, that wouldn't be recommended
1: Not so much not recommended as it is make sure you have training for it. A a therapist, by definition, usually has all the skill set to do life coaching work, but there are it kind of depends on the modality. So there there are different sort of frameworks, if you will, that therapists and life coaches work from. Mm -hmm. Um, And some of them lend themselves more to coaching versus therapy than others, so I work from a solution focused framework, which means I use solution focused brief therapy and coaching. Um, the framework for that is the same on both sides of that line. So, what the way that I work with clients fits, regardless of whether or not we have a coaching goal or a therapy goal.
0: Can you dig into Other, that? So, can you ahead. dig into that a little bit more? The, the solution focused therapy, can you give me? like some more explicit examples of what that means?
1: Yes. Um, So the short version of that is that a solution-focused brief therapist or solution-focused coach is always working from a a foundation of respect and a belief that the client, one, is completely capable, two, that they are already doing things that are helping themselves, and that change does not necessarily mean. Well, how do you, the better way to phrase that? So the problem, the solution is not necessarily connected with the problem. Um, mm. We like to think our our culture is very problem centered. We feel like there's a right way to go about solving a problem. You need to dig into the problem. You need to research the problem. You need to like you know prob, problem solve. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: this this modality says none of that's actually necessary. That when it change happens more on a circle. If you change one part, other parts automatically start changing. It's dominoes. It doesn't right, matter right. where you start a change process; it impacts everything else. So I don't necessarily have to do anything about the problem in order for change to happen. I just have to get progress in one area, and it causes change everywhere else.
0: Oh, I love that. That's like it's like light bulb going off yeah. in my head right there. I do have the perfect clip for that. Watch this. <gasps> <laughs> that's a good movie. That's um, a great movie.
1: Yeah. So when you think about, if you think back over your life over times where something was going on and then a flip got switched, I so switch got flipped. Let me yeah. flip that around. <laughs> if you think back to that, right. And you think about what was it that caused that change to occur? And it's usually random stuff. I can think back over for myself, uh, my view of myself as attractive uh, that's a <laughs> non sequitur but there was a movie that flipped that switch for me i remember and it didn't you know completely change everything but it was the beginning of that change mm-hmm. in how i saw myself and it was a movie no one could have said your problem is this and you need to go watch this movie it's going to change that like that wasn't the way it worked oh my apologies so you never know like what's going to start that change process, but having a conversation, which again is the idea behind solution folks, brief therapy and coaching is we're going to have a conversation that looks at how are, how's that process already happening and what do you already have within yourself or maybe in another domain of your life that we can pull into the situation to amplify that change.
0: Interesting. So there's uh like an idea, what it sounds like to me, that there are areas in your life where you are strong in and using some of the traits from those strength areas, you can kind of maneuver it and, and use some of those same habits or some of those same, um, processes, whatever thinking yeah. to, to work on whatever that specific problem that you're trying to. Yeah. Solve. That's almost
1: always a given. There's almost always some part of your life that's working even mm-hmm. when you're having challenges in another area. So what are you doing in that area that's helping you function or cope or thrive? And if you took some of that and put it over here, what difference would that make?
0: Nice. Very cool. Very cool. All right. So getting into the big two things that we started talking about, communication and boundaries. Now, obviously, especially in our Polyam uh relationships polycules all this good stuff like this is huge this is everything that we talk about it's it's the big three right communication 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 that's that's all we talk about um and i think you know a lot of people when we get into our polyamorous relationships when we start opening up and and start learning we do all kinds of research we read a bunch of books we listen to a a bunch of podcasts and you know we keep hearing that over and over and over and over again So when we come to a life coach and we say, Hey, you know, we're still having issues in our, in our relationship, you know, we, we have done everything that we can to try and Mm -hmm. improve communication, but there's, there's some kind of a blockage, you know, there's something going on where, where's the foundation? What do we start with to make sure that we have good communication skills?
1: Honestly, my first question is going to be what's going on in the times where you are communicating well, because there always is. Um, I have uh, couples or polycules come and we're having communication problems now, but how did you get together? There's usually positive communication happening then. Um, How did you form this relationship? get far enough into it to even be in a place where you're trying to save it. At Hmm. some point, good communication was happening. So what was going on then, right in that area of your life and that time that we can pull into now. So like what what was working that we can you know turn the volume back up on
0: that makes sense i mean it's really uh i listen to abraham hicks pretty often and i don't know if you've listened to to her at all um but uh they talk about when there's certain areas of your life that aren't working it's like going back and focusing on the things that are working And, and Mm -hmm. you keep, you keep kind of going back to that. And so Mm -hmm. in my mind, I'm thinking of like the dating process, right? Early Mm -hmm. on, you know, you start flirting at the bar or the concert or wherever it is that that, that you met and there's good communication there. And then the breakdown just kind of comes later and you just take them back to that mindset when they,
1: well, well, I mean, not that I, I'm, not into digging into the problem. But if we look at that, we flip that over and look at what, what happened, right? Usually how we got from that place where we're flirting and we're communicating well to a point where there's a problem. Usually what's going on is that there are mistaken assumptions happening. We now believe we know the person well enough that we stop checking in. We assume Mm -hmm. we know what they're saying and that's fine if we're assuming positive things, But if we're making negative assumptions about the other person's motivation or what they mean, that start creates, creates this distance more often than not when I have have a, have someone that I'm working with in my, in my office, well, not right now, right now we're doing digital, but (laughs) when I'm working with people and there's communication problems, there's almost always mistaken assumptions that are happening Mm. to the extent where I'm listening to the people talk and I'm going. You're hearing very different things that I'm hearing from them, but yeah. I don't have this background assumptions that are going on. So it's very useful in those moments to check in and go, "Here's what I'm hearing you say, am I understanding you accurately? Is that what you heard? And if if not, where where's that where's that coming from?
0: Yeah, that's part of the uh, the nonviolent communication stuff, right? Using eye language, repeating back uh, the things that
1: Yeah, I think I heard that's one taking ownership of your own thoughts and feelings. And that's checking in. Um, And that's based on some foundational relationship assumptions. Um, And like, I try to be very, very respectful of what other people are bringing and how they define their relationships. But you, I have to bring myself to my work and there's not really any way to not do that. So there are some foundational assumptions that I make about what is required for a healthy relationship. And one of those is that there's respect for each person's point of view, that you each come mm. with a valid perspective on the world that you may not share. So if, go, ahead. go
0: ahead, go ahead, please, please. Oh, well,
1: that, that you have to come from that place. So if I if I start off believing that you have a valid point of view and that it is just as valid as mine, even if we don't share it, it mm. changes the way I'm communicating with you. It changes the assumptions I'm going to make about what you're saying. If I come to that with the valid belief that everybody has this right to say yes or no, that changes the dynamic. If I come to a relationship with the belief that I have, and they have the right to ask for their needs to be met, which goes along with that. Everybody has the right to say yes and no. Those two, mm-hmm. those two go together, right? That changes the dynamic. It creates a foundation of respect uh, for the relationship, respect for the, the other person and respect for yourself.
0: I'm I'm sitting here thinking and listening and, you know, there's a couple of things. It's one that you and I are two different people. Mm -hmm. Myself and and my partner are two different people. We can all look at the same thing. We can all look at this bell, right, or whatever, a movie, a quote, and Mm -hmm. take something different away from it. We can all look at a situation and... We each have our viewpoint and they're all each of our viewpoints are influenced by our past experiences, by our future expectations, by our current mental status, like all our past
1: experiences with other people Mm -hmm. as well as our past experiences with the person we're with right? So my interpretation of the words that you're saying, which we always do, right? So the idea that you're not going to make assumptions is impossible. (laughs) We have to in order to communicate, I have to make the assumption that I'm understanding the words coming out of your mouth Mm -hmm. in order for us to even have a communication. So the assumptions are given. But if I'm starting from a place of assuming positive things about you, then I'm filtering that through there. But everything I hear you say, I'm filtering through my past experiences with other people. That when sense. I look at the things you do and I make assumptions about your motivation and your meaning and what matters to you, I'm filtering that through my previous experiences with you and my experiences with other people.
0: So we're taking all of this information all at once and filtering it and coming up with, with whatever whatever, is, whatever result. Yes,
1: which is why checking in is so important. Checking in... With, like, linguistically. So I'm hearing you say this, this is what I'm taking from that. Am I, am I understanding you accurately? Yes or no. And we do that. Like was going back to our previous conversation of taking the, the clients back to that moment when they were communicating well, you do those things in the beginning, you assume positive things about the other person. You assume that if you're having a negative communication, that there's a misunderstanding happening. And so you check in. You, you automatically will do those things because you don't know them well enough at that point to make those assumptions. So you don't do it as much.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So checking in
1: can be very powerful and you don't necessarily have to do that in your entire relationship all the time. When I teach positive communication strategies, we get into like deep, like you're doing like all the minutia and you don't have to do that all the time. When you're communicating well with each other, when you're on the same page, you can short circuit that to a certain extent. My best friend and I, when we're talking to each other, we say parts of sentences <laughs> and we get each other and like we're on the same page and like we we jump around a lot. It drives my husband crazy. He's like, I don't even know what you guys are talking about. Cause we're yep. he, he's saying this and I jump over here and he's like, What are you even doing? I'm like she she gets it, she knows exactly what I'm talking about. Yep, right. Yep. So that goes well, but then when it breaks down, it breaks down. So we had, you know, arranged plans at one point and we both thought we knew what the other person's intent was and we arrived at different locations. <laughs> so like checking in,
0: that check-in would have been good right there. The
1: check-in would have been good. That This is what I understand we're doing. So like, and knowing where in your relationship, a check-in is appropriate. So she and I can go off on separate parts about this, but when we're planning something, we have to check in with each other; otherwise, we make erroneous assumptions about some of the pieces
0: of it. Oops. Instance, who's picking up who?
1: Right? That's that's that. That was where that one happened. Um,
0: so, checking in that. is
1: super, super important.
0: I love that. Yeah, I mean, it, it it absolutely is. Not just checking in with our partners, but now bounce into uh, boundaries. Checking in with ourselves, and this yeah. is something that. uh, I talked about a little bit last week. It came up last week. Uh, when it comes to boundaries, um, my partner has her list like written out. Uh, she has a bunch of stuff, you know, written down. She knows exactly, you know, what her boundaries are. Me, I like no one. Right. And it's because of something that happened pretty recently, you know, where, where, you know, I just know that, that if there's, Infidelity in any way, shape, or form—like I'm not about it. I'm out. Don't even, you know that that—that's a boundary, right? So, so, like, that's one that I can think of off the top of my head. That takes us right
1: into like the whole flow of our conversation, though. Number one, sure. how would you define an infidelity?
0: Oh, you're actually asking me. Well, you don't necessarily have to
1: answer that question. This is not <laughs> a, you don't necessarily have to answer that question, but you have to think about going back to like, are we on the same page? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think this takes us back to the polyamorous community as well, right? What each person means by poly can be very different. One person's expression and participation in poly can be very different from other people. So when you're meeting someone and you both go, well, yeah, I'm poly. Oh, I'm poly too. How cool. You might be talking about very different things. Mm -hmm. So when you say one of my boundaries is infidelity, right? You would have to then have a conversation about what does that even mean? Because I've Mm -hmm. had... Clients where one person defined infidelity as even viewing pornography, right? They considered that right. an infidelity.
0: Right. Whereas, Whereas somebody else will yeah. say, no, you're like making out is an infidelity or like going all the way to having sex. That's the infidelity or emotional and
1: infidelity. Right. So like how you define where that boundary actually sits for you is personal and particular. So if you're not communicating about that, the other person may make a completely different understanding because how they define infidelity is different
0: Nice and yeah. perfectly
1: valid. I'd like to point out that's where that assumption of each person has their own point of view, their own perspective, that's valid. So each person's definition of infidelity is perfectly valid. Mm-hmm. But if you don't communicate about that and you're not clear about which, where each other's boundaries are and checking in, then you're you're going to end up in a conflict. Yeah. And the other piece of that is once you once you've had that conversation, right? I define infidelity this way and you define infidelity that way. Then it gives you a room to have a negotiation. How are we going to how are we going to marry those two for this relationship? How how does that relate mm. to how we're setting boundaries? If I'm defining infidelity as, you know, an emotional infidelity, like if you go even over that, that's an infidelity for me, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Then
1: even if you only define infidelity as physical interactions, right? Then we have to discuss, well, how are we going to clarify that boundary? And then you get to choose, right? Whether or not you're going to honor your partner's boundary or if you're going to let the relationship go because it's a deal breaker for you.
0: Wow. Wow, that gets really deep really fast. Yeah. I, it, it really is. It's If I, like, how did you say? You said, if I view infidelity as emotional cheating right so having like an emotional connection but you view infidelity as just having sex with somebody else mm-hmm. and you know you're okay with having all all of these other emotional but sometimes connections reversed,
1: right sometimes it's the reverse you can have all the sex you want but if you have an emotional relationship
0: <laughs> right right exactly but but either way there's there's a coming together there's like a, a some kind of a either a compromise that needs to happen or One of those people needs to say, no, I'm just, this isn't for me. Yeah. And that can get really tough.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that's, sometimes that's why people avoid having those conversations. For sure. But when you don't, that's where you run into challenges down the way because you didn't have those conversations. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes people, again, more often than not, people don't think to have these conversations because they assume that everybody sees the world the same way they do. Right. That's that's generally true.
0: Most people think everybody defines infidelity the same way. No, oh, they don't. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I seem, to, I kind of think that there's like a baseline, like having sex with somebody without telling the other partner, like. Well, but you, you know, go back like,
1: to the poly community, right? And there are definitely poly versions of that relationship where that would not be considered an infidelity.
0: It's true. Don't ask, don't tell agreement would be fine. Boom, there it is. I love that. I, I there there's there's a lot of different ways about uh, of going about this, and while I do define it's my responsibility, I should say, to define my own boundaries. By yes. the same token, I do have to have these conversations, uh, and you know, getting kind of back to that, like defining my boundaries, uh, defining my boundaries around maybe time spent with a partner. What are some other uh, boundary conversations that you've had with your clients?
1: Um, And I want to like express that boundaries isn't just about defining what isn't it's defining what is. Okay. So if, and I I like to think of this as the 80, this is the 80, 20 list. Your boundaries Mm -hmm. are what you need to have in a relationship in order to be happy and healthy. And your boundaries are Mm -hmm. also what cannot be a part of the relationship in order for you to be happy and healthy.
0: Can you give me some examples?
1: So um, an example of things you need in a relationship might be, I need quality time with my partner
0: mm-hmm.
1: or I need, um, a certain amount of loving touch or, you know, I need surprise presence. <laughs> this takes us into love sure. languages quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. But Like, what do you need from your partner in order to have, to have, be happy and healthy with that, with that person. And for some people in the polyamorous community, right. That goes into what they need in, in terms of not just their relationship with this person, but with other people. Mm -hmm. So I need the freedom to express my sexuality in this way. I need the freedom to develop these relationships in order for me to be happy and healthy. So that's a boundary conversation. That's expressing your needs. And again, we go back to everybody has the right to ask for their needs to be met. And everybody has the right to say yes and no. So if I say this is something that's important to me, this is something I need. And the other person's like, that's not something that I can live with, or that's not something I can give you. Then what do we do with that?
0: hmm. Do we continue this relationship or just
1: or do you find another way to get those needs met? And when you go back to boundaries, right, how are we defining the boundaries of this relationship? Often that's defined as how, who you can get your needs met with. Right. Traditional oh. monogamy. The boundary is defined as you can only get your social, your your sexual and your emotional needs met with one partner. Mm hmm. You can get your spiritual needs met from someone else. You can get your friendship needs met with someone else, but you can only get these needs met with this person. That's like traditional monogamy. Mm -hmm. You start opening that up in different ways. And that's how you kind of branch out to, you know, an open relationship or swinging or polyamory or like in the different flavors of polyamory, right? Is saying how, how, what kinds of needs and with whom can you get them met?
0: We have a little bit more freedom, and it, but it does complicate things some.
1: Well, at, the more people you have in anything, the more complicated it gets. And the more important that communication becomes, right? If I have two people that are trying to articulate and communicate their boundaries and be clear, that's challenging. You add a third person and now we need to be communicating and clear in several different areas. It becomes it becomes more important the more people you add the more important communication and, and being clear about your boundaries for yourself and for others becomes
0: yeah I, I'll personal experience on that I, I i experienced that and I'm sure a lot of people did uh during the past 12 months and you know continuing on still yeah, uh, until where people things then clear up
1: stuck in each other's faces in a way that they're not used to where they're living mm-hmm. on top of each other 24 7 in a way they're not used to that put a lot of pressure on how do you define your space in my space? Alone right. time.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, what's
1: the balance between time for yourself and time for the other person? What's the what's the expectations? Where are the boundaries on chores and how those things get done? So, like that put a lot of pressure on those conversations. And if you had not had them before, it created conflict.
0: <laughs> you were gonna start having them now, and and also as you were saying, complicating it further with different partners because now it's you know keeping a household safe by not. Introducing or allowing other partners without you know proper precautions and all that stuff. Well,
1: and each person may be defining proper precautions differently.
0: That part right there. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I had I had a couple on uh, a a few weeks ago that one of them was not allowed back into their home uh, because they went out to see a partner, and you know you're absolutely right what I consider safe and what somebody else considers safe is two different things. Um, But, you know, getting back to that communication, we have to be able to have those conversations and determine, you know, where, where we're going to meet. Because if I think this person is, is just going way too far to one side, like, you know, but I'm way too far on the other. We got We got to be able to meet somewhere in the middle. Which starts with communication. Yeah. I love it. Angela, thank you so much. This has been such a wonderful experience getting to know you, getting to chat with you, uh, learning about some foundations of communication and boundaries. Um, before we head off, uh, if somebody would like to work with you as a life coach, uh, help with their relationships, et cetera, and so on, how can people get in touch with you? Where should they go? Um, I'm really easy to find. Uh, You can visit
1: lifecoachroundrock.com, all spelled exactly the way you'd expect it to. And there's information about my practice. There is, um, you can reach out to schedule a free consultation. Um, I really, really like to do those because it gives everybody an opportunity to ask the questions they might have and to get to know me a little bit and see if I can actually help them with whatever they feel like they're bringing to the table. Um, and you can schedule an intake session. That's, that's the first thing. So do a consultation if you think that might be helpful for you. Um, I do have some blog things up there. Um, so feel free to go and look at those, but, um, yeah, i I love, love, love working with people. I love being able to help people. And I do try to come at that from a, a respectful space. Um, I've had people contact me at from the poly community saying, I just want someone, I don't have to explain this to <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yep. Um, who's
1: not going to try to talk me out of it or explain to me why, you know, I'm what I'm, what I'm doing is the wrong thing to do. So like, I think it's so important that we have uh, coaches and, and counselors who do understand um, how the community works and don't put the clients in the position of having to defend their, their life. Um, and I, that's something I try to do. And you're not
0: relegated only to Texas, right?
1: Uh, well, yes. Unfortunately, uh, okay. that's the only challenge about being a, a licensed clinician is that it also limits my coaching practice. Um, but it. if they are outside of Texas and they like the, the what I'm presenting, I do know clinicians all across the country um, who work from that solution-focused framework. So if that sounds appealing, they're welcome to reach out to me through the, the web form on my website. And I'm happy to give them a referral for somebody amazing in their state.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much again. And thank you for uh, the time you spent. Any final thoughts, last minute things that you'd like to share with the audience?
1: Uh, If I could give you one gem to take with you is when you're talking with your partner, think about how you can ask for what you need and you want rather than criticize or complain about what's already happening.
0: Nice ask for what you need or want instead of criticize or complain about what's happened.
1: The, the only response to criticism is a complaint is to become defensive or to attack the other person, which leads to an argument, which usually leads to a tornado fight where you throw everything and the kitchen sink at each other. And it is simply not useful. So asking for what you not want and need in a straightforward way where you express exactly what that looks like. So not, Hey, can you take out the trash? It's Hey, can you take out the trash in the next five to 10 minutes? because I am going to cook and it's full. So like being specific, what do you need and want and being specific?
0: Boom. Perfect. Thank you so much, Angela, again, for all of your time. Really appreciate it. That was fun. Thanks for having me. Of course. And thank you also, as always, to our live audience for tuning in. As a reminder, when we're live, you get no commercial interruptions, but the same cannot be said for the podcast downloads. So if you want to avoid the commercial interruptions, be sure to catch us live Monday through Wednesday, 2.30 Pacific time, or sign up for our Patreon where you get access to our commercial-free RSS feed and support the show. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube and wherever it is that you download your podcast if you haven't already, and please leave us a review. Really sincerely appreciate it. One last time. Thank you, Angela. Thank you, everybody. As always.
1: Have a nice day!
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Practicing Polyamory podcast. Would you or someone in your polycule like to be a guest? Sign up at practicingpolyamory.com and join the conversation. Please support us by subscribing, liking, and following us on social media at Practicing Polya by clicking any of the affiliate links on our website or by
1: subscribing at patreon.com.